0: If you're a founder building a company you're going to eventually have to start hiring executives to help you scale the people you bring into your leadership team can make or break your startup i'm nigel robinson with build talent and in each episode we'll be speaking with a founder or expert as we discuss the art and science of hiring leaders why it matters and how you can keep up welcome to the gradients podcast Welcome, everybody, to the Gradients Podcast. Today, we are here with Martin Siniowski. That's that right? Siniowski? Yeah, 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 pretty close.
1: It's a tough one.
0: <laughs> okay. He is the co founder and CEO of the podcast app and is also the, the founder of Streama. Both sound like they're still going. And he's done a lot of hiring and a lot of work around actually what we're doing here with podcasts and understanding the nature of audio. And he's here to
1: share some game with us today. Thank you for being here, Marnie. Hey, thanks for having me, Nigel. Very excited to be on the show. And uh, yeah, this is a very important topic to me. It's been one that I've uh, had to do a lot of work to really improve my game on. Yeah, I'm excited to share like the learnings. I think it's really one of the main disciplines that a founder and even more so a CEO, but I think a founder or anyone at a startup needs to get really good at. So I'm glad that you guys are exploring it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you and me both. And so with that, maybe you could take us to where, what was going on in your life when you started your founder journey. Like what was happening when you first conceived of, of Streama and then we can get towards how Podcast App came out of that. Sounds great. Sounds great. So
1: I'll tell a little bit about myself. So I'm by training a software engineer, originally from Argentina. Right now, I've uh, I lived in Argentina most of my life and I, I've been in the Bay Area for the past seven years almost. And... I've always been a founder. Like I started my first company while I was in college. I was 20 years old, very naive, very sweet, young engineer to be, and that's what i always done. Like So I've never worked for someone else or at a different company. And I started as a CTO and co-founder of this company called Stream, I'll, I'll share more about it. Eventually became its CEO and eventually started this new company, Podcast App, five to six years ago here in the Bay Area. So I kind of done, like, yeah, have been on a journey, you know, from being like very young, a programmer, eventually a CTO, CEO, founder of a new company. And recruiting has been one of my main responsibilities all throughout that process. And yeah, starting very <laughs> from the not even the basics, I would say, because at that time, being 20, first job, and we didn't have any money for our first company, we didn't have any revenue, we didn't have any traction. So, it was really about building the basics and I can share a little bit about that journey but so I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years both companies are in the world of streaming the first one is about taking radio stations from all over the world and making them something easy to access and to listen via a mobile app called simple radio and streamer and more recently I've been working on podcast app because I'm just enamored by the knowledge and wisdom of podcast just like what we're doing here you know and I feel like it's I've been really, my life has been changed by hearing other people sharing their learnings. And it's amazing. You can hear like the greatest minds in the world. And so we started this company with the desire of like making that knowledge and wisdom more easy to access for folks all over the world. And what could happen if you have like this amazing playlist of these amazing teachers for anyone in the world. So that's kind of how the journey started. And yeah, so both companies are very different, but we've had like really good results between both companies. Our products have been downloaded by over hundred million people. So have had quite a bit of traction. China was bootstrapped, Pakistan was venture-backed, and we went through YC, which is where we met Jose, which is one of your co-founders, right? And leader of the company. So yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I think recruiting started getting more interesting, changed a lot over the years for us, as we had different resources, different requirements. So yeah, happy to dive in. I'm thinking about even the experience of
0: recruiting with a bootstrapped company versus recruiting with like the YC brand, venture-backed, being in that network. You mentioned that it's been maybe a huge difference between where you started as a founder's with recruiting power to now as a founder with recruiting power. What were your initial strides with hiring for your early teams? Maybe the difference between when you first started 20 to now, like if there are key ways that you feel like you've stepped up your game and across this journey, it's maybe some of those lessons.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, at the beginning, I was in my early 20s. So I, I would say probably like for the first three to four years, we barely did any recruiting, right? It was just us co-founders trying to like get to some like semblance of product market fit. Yeah. And not die. Well, like, and it was very tough to navigate because we... It took a lot of trial and error. I think it took us like three years or four years until we started having some traffic and revenue coming in. So it was really tough. At that time, my the only hire that we did, I think, was at some point we brought like in a co-founder and we were there. We were together for a year. So it was more about recruiting another co-founder maybe. Oh,
0: that's interesting. So wait, you had your kind of core team of developers. And yeah, I guess, is the skill set of your company right then just like uh, you and a bunch of other developers just building this product? And then you out of that you go hire a a co-founder.
1: So actually, like out of the three original folks we started the first company, I was the only programmer. Oh wow. And the other two were more like business folks, operations, content, like that sort of thing. Wow. So you're an army of one engineering team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we will get like these freelancers, you know, at some point. I think we I think part of the reason is when you start at the beginning. I think you are, need to be more scrappy, more resourceful, and you probably have to cut down a little bit on the ambition in terms of like who you're going to target recruiting-wise, mm. right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think
1: it's going to be harder at the beginning to poach someone from like one of the top tech companies who's very senior in their career. Yeah. And it's going to be easier. Like we always tell this story that one of the guys that we got for the first couple of years as a freelancer, like a front-end freelancer. By the way, this was 20, 2007, no smartphones, right? It was just the web. and so. This guy was like, his main gig was being a a musician and had a rock band and his side gig was being a programmer. So it it was a different type of like approach to work. Yeah. but We got by, we launched the first version of the website with him and we did many things with him. Eventually we were able to recruit a co-founder, one of the most amazing talented like uh, engineers that I know. We were there, we were together for a year then he departed to do other things. It wasn't the right fit for him, but... He was also kind of on the younger side, like us, and we recruited him with a lot of passion, selling the vision and giving him a, a ton of equity. That was like the way to do it, right?
0: <laughs> Can't forget that part. Can't forget the ton of equity piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the first guy, the freelancer...
0: And this is, you're all bootstrapped, right? Like yeah. you, you're, you're pre-product market fit, you're all bootstrapped, trying to recruit a co-founder to sign up on this journey with you. Yeah,
1: yeah, trying to get more, more like engineering resources, right? And. Yeah. And the situation, like so one of my co-founders was the one that was like bringing in a little bit of like initial money. It was probably like 50K, 100K at most, which could get you somewhat of a long way. Like back then in, in 2007, also being in Argentina and thinking about like those, those salaries. And by the way, we were in Argentina physically, but we were thinking of this business for mostly for the US market, which is what ended up happening. And so yeah, I think at the beginning the As you grow in your career, hopefully you had success, you have more lessons, you have more seniority, I think you have more resources and you can probably aim bigger, right? In terms of like the type of person you can recruit. And I think at the beginning, maybe you need to be... Creativity always needs to be a part of it, but I think you need to also be more realistic at the beginning.
0: So this is interesting. We deal with this a lot with clients of like, what is the... Delta between aspirational and realistic. Like, where within that range can you actually find somebody that maybe future proofs this hire? Like, maybe you want a number one in engineering. You don't want to have to hire someone over them. You want them to be able to hold down the fort and build with you for the next three, four years or something. When you're in that space where you realize, okay, I need this leader in this department. How do you ground yourself in what is realistic for you? Yeah. yeah, 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 Like how do you know if you're quote unquote for audio, quote unquote for the audio.
1: <laughs> how do you know if you're being realistic or yeah. like completely like dreaming and being like maybe naive? That's what you that's what you're... yeah.
0: And even thinking about the trade-offs, right? Because even within the quote unquote realistic realm, not every leader you talk to is gonna be strong at everything.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's a good point. I think there's two parts to what you're asking. I think one part has to do with like, which I think is one of the key things I learned maybe more in the past few years is the importance of being extremely clear on what are the most important skills you're looking for in this role. And what is it extremely important and what are the nice to have? And being sure that you've done the work of like reflecting and thinking and maybe like pressure testing that with other folks in the team or even outside, right? I think that's the first part because if you make everything a priority or the more things you make a priority, the harder you make it for yourself, really.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and as you're saying, like, it's impossible to be great at everything and to have experience at everything. Those are the the, the unicorns, right? I'm doing their quotes as well. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think one piece is like being extremely clear about, yeah, what are the must-haves for the role? The second piece, how do you know if you're being realistic or how high to aim, I guess? I think... By the way, it's better to err on the side of aiming too high. So I think might, as long as you don't burn any bridges, might as well swing for the fences, I guess, at least for a little bit of time and get a sense if like, are we like really out of our minds with what we're trying to achieve or do we think we can pull this off, right? Because I think there is a risk of maybe settling too low. One of my lessons over the past few years of hiring, I think is, which I think sounds like it's an important topic for you guys. It's like that the power of really hiring very senior people and like, and how that, how much of a difference that makes for the company, right? I feel like for me as a founder and being the CEO of, of Podcast App, we recruited like a couple of senior leaders over the past year, and it's like almost like a way of scaling myself mm. because they can do many things that before maybe my, I and my co-founder or like another person in a leadership team, we were the only ones who could do them, and now like there's more folks who can like. Do their own hiring, right? Create processes, give feedback, set strategy. Right. And that's really powerful. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered your previous question on realistic versus like more grounded or versus more ambitious.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we tend to go about it in maybe a similar way that you're saying is like we start at what would be the most ideal, like the highest version of ideal. Maybe it's insert person from company that's super experienced they're the obvious person they're the leBron and what they do or something right and then just letting the market kind of walk you back to where people are responding essentially exactly
1: okay and'm sorry if I can add one more thing I, yeah yeah I've also seen that there's so there I think there is what the company needs and then is what the company can afford right and um, afford yeah I mean there's other constraints too I think I think there's the How exciting can you make it, regardless of compensation for the other person? And maybe what's your track record and reputation? There's all these other elements, right? Especially I think when it comes to like more senior folks. But yeah, clearly there's a trade-off, right? There's a budget, there's an amount of compensation, cash cash that you can afford, there's an amount of equity you're willing to give out, and you might yeah, if you want someone extremely extremely senior, it's going to cost more, and have to see what's the best what's the best right for the business. My personal perspective though is. I would rather build something big and like how this company increase the odds of this company being as successful as possible. So might as well try to go the extra mile in getting very senior people. Right. I guess the only caveat, lastly, is that not always more senior is better because some like at our stage, for example, we're a team of like 20 people. And we all still need to be executing and being very hands on and getting our hands dirty, right? So if you have someone that maybe comes from like more of a corporate world already that has like multiple levels of report and they're not used to that and they don't necessarily want to go there, I think that can also be like a harsh, like a harsh landing, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. The
0: adjustment of scaling back down, whether that person can move at the same pace, whether they're equipped to deal with the problem sets of like settlement building versus city planning. Let's say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally.
0: And I like the idea too of like what you're able to afford, but there's something else too of like you mentioned getting really clear on the criteria piece. Do you find that you are often looking to hire a leader like too early or too late? Like how do you know when is the that point in time where we need this business problem solved with a leadership hire?
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when you get it right, you're like kicking yourself for not doing it earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. It just happened to us. Like we had these two really a great leadership hires. I really wish they we had started working with them six months or a year before. At the same time, they weren't available, so it wouldn't have been like a fit. I think for us, yeah, I don't know. I guess in our situation, so it was ahead of marketing, ahead of engineering. I think we could have used solving that earlier. Looking back now, looking back and having seen it, I think. I mean, just having senior people that know their domains and that they can offload some work off you and also deepen the work in their areas that maybe before we probably like being able to do more superficially, I think, I think that's great. But it's tough to make like a general rule, right? Because I think there's a risk of like prematurely trying to recruit this crazy leadership team.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: And that's not the way to do it either.
0: Yeah, you become really top heavy as an org and...
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's time to like, I don't know, yeah, just having a high burn maybe and also like, dividing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's true too. It's like when you hire a leader, you're pretty much expecting that that department is going to get built out underneath them. It's like you don't hire them to be the final hire there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you got it right. I think one way of thinking about it is thinking maybe about the next year, right? What's important in the next year? What's going to make a big difference? And what are the type of... Do we think... Marketing? Do we think product? Do we think engineering is going to be particularly important next year? Do we have a solid leader in place? And if we don't, like maybe it's time to think about getting one. Right.
0: That's interesting. Like the highest leverage position we could fill at the leadership layer. Was there? Yeah, I guess maybe you can talk us through kind of maybe what that idea maze was like for you. You mentioned that you're hiring this head of marketing and head of engineering. Were you like deciding? Between those, did you run those searches at the same time?
1: No. So we actually did head of marketing first. That was like, a, probably like, it was actually, we're going to come, we're going to celebrate the one-year anniversary soon. So we're wow. very excited for that. But yeah, it's been one year. At the time, I'm trying to reflect, you know, why did, did we prioritize that one over engineering? I just feel like we had a big push towards engineering this year and we we hired like lots of folks and we're about to like have more people joining the team. So. I think at the time marketing felt like it was the missing piece. We're also a company of engineers. My co-founder was the head of engineering CTO before. He moved to the product role, but he was still managing that org. So marketing, we didn't have like a classical trained marketing leader. And it, it, and we, we wanted someone based also here in the US. And that felt like a big gap, you know, for a product that's like aimed at the US market, like has millions of users here. So yeah. And once we have this kind of marketing in place, like okay, we need to grow the engineering org. We're actually working on podcast app, and we're also building out a, a separate product that we're testing. Yeah, a top secret, a top secret initiative. So that also gets challenging resource wise, right? So we, we felt like we needed a leader there to help us navigate all of that. Right, help because they're going to help you at least be more efficient, right? You're
0: hoping that you become like maybe twice as effective with the increased acumen and operating level bring brought there
1: yeah yeah and for me when it comes to so we're talking recruiting right i think recruiting a leader in an area is a great way of helping your recruiting bandwidth because before i was doing and my co-founder was we were both doing like a lot of the engineering sourcing recruiting all of that what percent of your time would you say you were spending on recruiting a good one i mean I think you guys were saying that sometimes it can be a 50%, the 50% or something like that.
0: That's what we were, you know, we're trying to create like this overtime average of just responses because everybody has, again, there's so much art involved here, but yeah, at various levels.
1: Yeah, no, but a 50% sounds reasonable because recruiting was my responsibility. It fell under me and we have a recruiting person, but she's the person that more like supports and liaisons with the hiring managers. And they all still need support and sourcing and coaching. And so I was very, very, very involved. I think fifty percent is about right for the past year or more, I would say. yeah. So, so but but there's been times in which like that dramatically decreases, and it's more about I think right now we're gonna go into a place in which maybe it's more about being heads down with the team we've assembled, really focusing and like talking to users, shipping product, cracking a few things.
0: And do you feel like, between your last company and this company that the importance you put on recruiting as a function of yours as a founder, has there been a, a shift in like how you regard the recruiting function? You know as talent people, we see hiring leaders as solving a business problem like solving a business problem with talent is kind of how we put it. And it sounds like that's maybe how you see it today. but did you always see it like that? Like how did it fit into your worldview? Back then versus this time around?
1: Yeah. I think as your career progresses, you know, hopefully you get maybe more strategic and wise over time. I think at the beginning, it was all about survival. And I think in my career, but also like in the life of a company, like at the beginning, it's all about survival. Like you're just trying to make ends meet and not run out of money and out of energy and motivation. I think as the years went by with the first company, recruiting started being more of a priority because we saw we have money. And we saw bottlenecks that we could alleviate if we had more people. And so kind of naturally, it just felt like a growth hack, right? We bring in more people, we grow the business. Like that's going to be very clear. So I think naturally from that, it, it started becoming a priority. But I think it was in this company over the past five, six years that I truly like stepped into it more of not only our, our responsibility, but like this unique craft that I think like has so much like in the details and so much nuance. And it's almost like the... I feel like it's the intersection of many disciplines. It's recruiting, but beneath it, like, if you unpack it, there's so many things that come together.
0: I'm glad that you have an appreciation for it because yeah, I had no idea there was this kind of depth before I stepped into the field, but it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I appreciate it getting better at there it. It's one of those things I've been doing for, like, 15 years, but I still feel like I'm uncovering tweaks and secrets and new ways of doing it and context changes. and
0: Yeah, so... I think the the other side of this, too, is like it's one thing to be able to hire these people and then the retention piece or even the culture that you set between your leaders. Like they're all at the table helping kind of steer the ship. What are some of the cultural elements that you've picked up across this period of the way you design and or engineer the culture
1: of the leadership team and maybe lessons that you have in that. Yeah. And if I can say something just before, like what I didn't say, but I think I'm pretty passionate about this topic of recruiting because at the end of the day, it's all about the team. Everything that the products, the marketing, the technology, it all stems from a group of people coming together to do something like great. And it's by recruiting and by culture and all these other aspects that have to do with team building and everything functions and occurs. Right. So... If you're a founder and you're trying to create a company that has an impact in the world, this is a skill that's like so foundational. I think sometimes we think about like tech or the technical expertise as like the one seed, you know, for innovation. But I think this one, I don't know, they go hand in hand, I think. So I just wanted to clarify that or add it in. And on the question you were asking on... On culture, how do you... Culture, right? Yeah, culture. I think, so culture for us, so first company, culture was more for the first few years, like a lucky byproduct of people that we didn't know each other that much, but turns out we were pretty compatible and we're sharing a worldview. So I think a pretty strong culture emerged out of it kind of, yeah, bottoms up. This other company I started it with, my co-founder is like our former CTO from StreamUp. And we were, we went to college together 15 years ago or 20 years ago. So we're very close. And we decided a lot more intentionally. And if I'm ever going to build a new company... This, that's what I will do. you know, And that's what I would recommend anyone that's starting a company now, like be very intentional about the culture you want to create. And I know there's a bit of a debate sometimes whether it's like, can you be intentional about it? Can you design it? Is it something that more happens as a byproduct? I, my perspective is that you can be extremely intentional and it's all about clarifying what kind of people you want to bring and what are the values that you want those people to have. And then making sure that Everything you do in your day-to-day reflects and amplifies those values. So we have one that's called, we have four core values. One, for example, is prioritizing people's well-being. That's an important one. And so when we interview, we have specific questions and prompts for each of the core values that we have that are specifically designed to see like, how important this is to the person and whether this is the core value that they have. And then when we are running a company, we need to make sure that we're prioritizing people's well-being. If it's just something that we say or that we use to evaluate folks, but then it like just fades away and it's not part of the reality, it's just like, it clearly you're not going to be able to build a strong culture around it. So yeah, I think that's a really important topic. And when it comes to a leadership team, I feel like it's like a team within a team. And it's important. I mean, we're still working on it because the, t- the leadership team has grown quite a bit in, the, in this past year. But when we've had team offsites, we've also done like smaller leadership team offsites with strategic and work components, but also with more social when just getting to know each other type of component. Yeah, yeah. It's important. It's important. And I think these cultural filters that we're talking about are particularly I mean, they're important for every hire you have, especially when the team is like small, but even more so for the leaders, because I feel like if there's differences there, they get amplified.
0: Yeah, and they're gonna be you're trusting them to hire, you know, you're hiring the exactly. person that's gonna hire the next 10, 20, 30 people. Totally. Right? That's interesting. So you actually have prompts or like a line of question to get signal on each of your core values as a company.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things I remember that I finally like crystallized in my mind, you know, after so we were at, at the beginning we were talking about Jose, which I just want to say hi once again and thank him for all the amazing lessons, you know, that he taught me. We met when he was at YC and we went through YC as well. And so um, I remember there was a YC hiring conference that he organized with the team at YC. And one of the things that I learned from there was that the importance of having like a very systematized way of evaluating candidates. It's like going away from the I mean, intuition is always important and gut feeling I think should be respected. It's not that you need to do away with it. But it's not the way to not the best way to assess like technical proficiency. And I think also not the best way to assess other things, because we you know we we all tend to get skewed and, and like, I don't know, have all these like um and I'm not necessarily like rational ways of thinking, right? So we do we make a list of like the technical skills that we need for the specific role, and then we have soft skills and core values that we want to see in every candidate, like regardless, right? And I think Triple Byte I think at some point had written about the soft skills. And sometimes how people talk about cultural fit, but they're actually talking about soft skills.
0: Right, yeah, like conflict resolution,
1: for yeah, instance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or clear communication or collaboration. Yeah, like conflict resolution, collaboration, like those ones. So we just make a list of all of that and we create exercises, sometimes questions or, or some kind of prompt to measure each of those. And we also have like, What are the expected answers or types of answers that we're looking for? So we know in advance Interesting. what's the thing that we are expecting to hear.
0: Yeah, like what are the different flavors from most palatable to cannot, you know, complete no-go, do not pass go, I can't hire this person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really, I mean, just helps making the whole process a lot more predictable, you know, and like precise.
0: I like that. Yeah, I know it's an important point, especially on these cultural pieces on these soft skill pieces to have a process that protects you from your bias basically. Yes. Yes. And when you're doing that, is like, does every single person interview for culture or is there like a culture interview? If there's four stages in the process, does each stage represent one of those pillars or how do you do it?
1: Yeah. 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 So we do two technical interviews usually and then we do two, we call them the soft skills slash value calls. So we do like two, like a pair. In each of those calls, there's a pair of interviewers with the candidate, and the pair of interviewers, they're testing for a couple of soft skills and a couple of values. And between those two interviews, they cover everything. Wow. Okay.
0: This is the other piece, too. Was at Streama, were you all on site or was that
1: also a remote company? No, it was, that one was more on site. Okay. We started for most of the time, it was everyone in, in Argentina, like in, in Buenos Aires together. And at some point, we started doing a few folks here and there remote. I was like one of those folks when I moved here to the Bay Area first year. Then I, when we started Podcast App completely remote. But yeah, it was a different, completely different game too, right?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about like if there's anything that stands out to you about how different that maybe the challenges that that gave for building culture and or for building the hiring engine, or if
1: it was like actually easier, if you found that you, you enjoy it more yeah. Yeah. I mean, for building culture, I think you need to be when you're remote, you need to be a lot more intentional because things that would normally happen, like the coffee chat or like, yeah, just like proactive social events, things that are just would present themselves. They're no longer happening for the most part. So you need to create certain like uh, rituals and, and spaces. So in our case, for example, we have a Monday meeting, which we started with internal hands and we started by breaking out into rooms. Oh, nice. And just talking, sharing about the weekend, what happened over the weekend in our personal lives for a couple of minutes. So everyone shares a little bit about that. And there's also like a prompt that we rotate every week.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So it's like nobody's like pressed to come up with topics. It's like you have kind of these
1: conversation stimulator prompts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we do that and then we come back and we do a few like announcements and housekeeping things work-wise for the week and we kind of set the stage for the work week. And then on Fridays, we also have a bit of like a more social in-groups. Like we have like a, like a social space and uh, sometimes we play games. Sometimes we just chat on a random topic that's coming up. But yeah, you need to design those spaces. Like prior, previously, everyone in the office, I think maybe it just happens more naturally. I think here you can, you can still do it, but you need to be more intentional. And that said, it's not going to be the same, I think. And we just came, that we did just did an offsite with everyone in Argentina nice. a month ago. And it was like so reinvigorating, motivating. So I think it's also important not to just try take each other. Is important. Yeah, I feel like I
0: heard recently, I don't want to go out and say it was a study, but I'm pretty sure I saw something that was talking about how it's not length of time spent with people, it's quality of time spent with people. And so you actually don't need all of the maybe little touch points in the office as long as you get a really condensed, really meaningful, high quality level engagement, interaction with your team members. It'll be interesting to see the spectrum of best
1: practice in that over the next two, three years. but yeah, yeah yeah, that's a great point. I think that's a really, really important one. and and for us, yeah, like it was almost like you know when you go on a trip with someone and maybe it's a short period of time, but so many things happen, stories occur and there's great memories that are built and it just deepens the relationship in a pretty different way than maybe talking for half an hour or months and months and months. So yeah, and when it comes to remote hiring, I kind of feel like remote hiring might be easier in some respects, meaning from a process standpoint as a company, I think it might be easier. I think it might be more competitive than before because you're competing with like companies from all over the world. Yeah, It's a bit like madness in that respect. But I think in terms of running a process, I just feel like when you're in person with someone, you cannot have notes in front of you. You need to be completely there, and it just looks weird if you're holding on to other things or artifacts. I think that you need to put on more of a performance without any crutches.
0: That's true. It's almost like theater. Yeah. It's like being on stage at theater versus being like on acting, uh, like cinema.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think here you can rely more on other things that support you, and, and the whole thing still goes well. and
0: a note-taking app or something. You can go back and look at the conversation. Like Totally, totally. Interesting. And who knows? Maybe that free ups, frees up some resources to do other things and to invest them in, in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I, I didn't think about that. I like that kind of Broadway recruiting where you're just <laughs> on the spot, live in person. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Note-taking, nothing. And also, like, yeah, I mean, candidates don't need to commute. And so maybe they're able to, like, probably, yeah, Catch both ways, I guess. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I'm thinking, too, about the communication piece. I feel like we get a lot of people that have a much stronger emphasis on like written communication, for instance, for remote teams. No, that's actually a good one. Yeah,
1: we kind of learned that the hard way, I think, that we need to place more of an emphasis that, that we need to explicitly test for written communication. Because like, before, it maybe it wasn't that important. We just like, let's go into a meeting room and figure it out. And here it's asynchronously and across time zones. and. So yeah, written communication might be like one of the most important ones. Interesting.
0: I wonder if there's any like voice memo cultures out there, people that use a lot of audio versus written. Yeah, if anybody knows those.
1: We do use quite a bit Loom,
0: more for like we do video. I don't know if you guys... Okay. Is it like where you record it and send it? Like an email type of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like an asynchronous, so you record like you can record your screen and do like a walkthrough or like a document okay. or, a presentation, or even like, just, I don't know, like if you want to see some show something that's sometimes like I connect my phone and I walk people through the app and ask them like if, I, if there's a or something, or you can just record a video of yourself talking out loud. If you want to express an idea that might be hard to articulate, and then you get a link and you send it through Slack and, and just like it opens up on, on the other end. I like that. We'll have to try that out. It's a good one. I mean, sometimes it's better to write things out. Unless it can be a crutch also to someone who is having a hard time like articulating their thoughts in a way very concisely and you need to watch like a 10 minute video.
0: Yeah, there are trade-offs every direction for sure. I'm really interested to see the way some of these cards fall or the way some of these cultures read after years being spent in these remote environments. Like what retention averages tend to look like or what engagement averages tend to look like at scale. Okay, so you're 15 years in the game at this point. What is some of the wisdom that you would share with your younger self Ooh. about this side of the founder's journey of the hiring piece? You know, if you could go back and drop a gem or two on young Martin to help better orient him, what what do you tell him? This is on the topic of recruiting,
1: or more broadly in general, you
0: think? I would say like recruiting, as it mixes in with like organizational development, maybe like the human side of the founder's journey, not the product side, not the sales side, but just building out your counterparts along this, these trips?
1: Yeah, 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 that's a good one. I think it really depends on... Yeah, I think trying to recruit more senior people sooner rather than later, I think it's a good idea. Just going going in that direction because they can have such a huge impact, you know, that I think so swinging in that direction sooner rather than later, I think it's in this idea of like, it's all about making as much progress in the least amount of time. So if you're able to get someone who can help help scale you by doing all this other like complex stuff. I think that that's a good one. I think maybe it's about creating like some internal recruiting infrastructure sooner. maybe even like hiring someone that can do some like recruiting operations interesting.
0: like just someone to drive
1: process, not even like a recruiter exactly. actually. yeah 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 exactly. Just like driving process already is helpful. And I think, as I was, we were talking before, defining and making sure you have like an, a like a very clear process from beginning to end, with all the steps mapped out. You know who does them, in what's the time that they should take, and having that that very clearly. And also the the more like evaluating the skills, technical skills, soft skills, and the value fit, and just like mapping that out in the most systematic, objective way as possible as soon as possible. I think saves a lot of headaches. A lot of mistakes, a lot of subjectivity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely reduces the time to hire.
0: Like the recruiting process is like a clarity producing process. You should get to a hundred percent yay or nay by the end of that process. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think the last one, maybe I think it's, it's good to be, I think I always had a, a bit of like, I don't, I don't want to like speak too highly of myself, but emotional intelligence, I think is a very important tool in the world of recruiting, right? Because we're dealing with human beings and it's important to understand their motivations, understand where they're coming from, where they want to go, and seeing if that could work with the company and being able to show them the path, hopefully, right? Of why that works and how that's good. So, and you need to build a connection with another human being on the other side. So I think investing in learning those skills, I think they're great for life, like regardless of work. And I think they're extremely important in this respect. And I think that's what can make a big difference in having you, maybe be able to like be out of your punching up. Yeah, no, yeah. Be able to like because I think that can make a big difference when there's like different compensation on the line compared to a competitor or even when you're less experienced than others. If you're able to create a better connection and just understand the situation better, you know, and navigate it with the candidate, that can be like that can sway I think in your direction. Yeah, no, that's huge.
0: Well, coming up to the end, I want to be able to, to give you an opportunity here to talk about some of the things that you're most excited about with podcast app that are coming down the line, whether it's fundraising or new hires or uh, the vision you're working toward. Just things that... What comes to mind when, when you think about what's exciting you, what you're looking forward to with Podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. So in the past year, actually, well, talking about recruiting, we doubled the team over the past year. Wow. Congrats. Yeah, Thanks. And we could, and we're still like short staff, right? But we double the team. And so we have our main product, which is podcast app. It's a podcast player. It has an amazing UI, you know, to help you listen and discover to the best podcast. And it has like, kind of like the podcast player that we wanted to make the most out of learning and squeezing all that amazing knowledge that's out there. And by the way, there's 130 million podcasts. so it's a ton of content and information with like the best and most amazing minds in the world. So there is really a lot that can be done, you know, to make sure that you're able to access that and like get the most out of it per minute or per hour that you're listening. And it's been downloaded like more than 10 million times, frequently like the top podcast player in the App Store charts. Um, I got to go grab it now. You sold me. I got
0: to go grab it
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Try it out. out Let me know. And the last success we've had, we really, we started with ads and we transitioned mostly to a subscription model. In which, like, we unlock different features for the users that make the product just perform better and help them squeeze more more value. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And we have over one hundred forty thousand paying subscribers. So yeah, we went to Argentina. We were doing this outside, and we were showing like the, visually, it's like two full just two soccer stadiums full of like paying customers. I love that that we were able to achieve with less than twenty people.
0: Right. Wow.
1: Congratulations. That's and, huge. That's huge. Yeah. So I'm excited about that and continuing to grow that. Yeah, we kind of, after the stream experience, which was extremely valuable, we said, we want to build a new company that not only is successful, like has customers revenue and is a great experience, but also has impact, like a positive impact in the world that resonates with who we are as people. And for us learning and growing and just finding tools that can improve our lives. It's something that we, I don't know, just something that we love. So podcasts. No, I love that. such a source of
0: that. Yeah. When you were talking at the beginning about the ways that podcasts have like literally changed your life, that definitely resonates with me. There's information that I've gotten from podcasts on history, on business, on mental health, wellness, things that
1: I've kept with me ever since, you know, even... Yeah, Yeah. 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 And it's free. And for the most part, it's free content that's out there. Kind of crazy, right? Like the amount of, if you think about like a hundred years ago. It is. Socrates would have had a podcast yes. or something, you know? Exactly. And <laughs> if you think about like 15 years ago, right? Or even 30 years ago, like accessing this type of information, it would have been like so difficult, so tough, right? And now you have it at your fingertips. It's nuts.
0: Man, that's blowing my mind of like if the Buddha had a podcast or something,
1: you know? Like yeah. you imagine, <laughs> like blowing up, I'm crazy on TikTok hilarious oh no, just the one more thing we're also working on this separate product that has to do with sleep that we're really excited about and has to do with using audio and podcast to help people sleep it's in its early stages but we're hearing some like there's clearly a sleep epidemic the number i think it's like 70 million people in the u.s which have like serious sleep issues and with all the stress i mean you already sleep worse as you get older but all the added stress of like and wars and like all these things that are happening, you know, like it's definitely not going in the right direction. And we've seen a lot of people have success with podcasts, you know, because they distract their mind and they're thinking of something else besides their worries. That's really interesting. That's almost a fourth of the people or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a huge amount. It's kind of scary. Yeah,
0: I'll be on the lookout for that. Lord knows I could get some better sleep. So final quick round closing questions. Who in the world of startups, whether that's mentors you've had, advisors, investors, people in talent, other leaders, someone that you really respect that's meant a lot to you on your founder journey, someone you want to give some flowers to?
1: Well, since I'm here, I'll give a lot of flowers to Jose, Jose Guardado, for, for talking about recruiting. And I think, I feel like my journey started 10, like 15 years ago, but I had this, I don't know, 3-4 years ago, meeting him, you know, and like different experiences that he facilitated at YCE For me, they were very, they definitely gave me helped me get to a next level. And really like hone in my recruiting skills. So I'll give him a shout out and appreciate you for all the learnings. It's been truly it's really been a uh, great. And, and I was telling him that we're, we're sharing all of these frequently with the team and creating trainings internally. So man, it, the gift kept giving. I love that. That's beautiful.
0: And now you've hired leaders at the new company that you know are killing it and it all. Man, shout out to you, Jose. <laughs> and then what's one thing that we didn't talk about that maybe I should have about hiring? Uh, What else? I know we've covered a lot of ground today, actually, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a skill, right? It's a skill, just like any others. I think it's also... It's a skill. It's also not only science, but also art. But I think for people, you know, you can learn it. You can keep getting better at it. Like, I think that some people, maybe they feel like, I'm not a salesperson, you know? I'm not good at this. I'm not good at pitching. I'm not good at communicating. Just one more skill. Just one more skill that you can learn, you can practice, you can get good at. And if you're a founder, I think it's something that you need to prioritize because uh, it can really make or it will make or break your company. And I think one thing I I remember they kept saying on YC, you know, by in order to be like a truly successful company, by definition, you need to do things better than the average, sometimes a lot better than the average. And this is no exception, right? So I would say you need to get good at this. And today, more than ever, there's so many materials and information like this podcast, right? There's so much you can learn. So I think, yeah, on the one hand, know you can learn it. And at the same time, no excuses
0: and go out and learn it. Know that this is a part of the competition that you're stepping into when you set out to take over this market. There's also the talent competition that, that plays into that. But wow, this has been fantastic, Martin. I want to Thanks, thank man. you again for joining us and sharing all this and sharing all the love for the cra- our craft and the platform that they were trying to build here at Build. Yeah, wishing you and the team continued success of the podcast app. I'm about to go download that thing now. Thank you. We'll add a, a link in the description for you guys to go check them out. That was good. Yeah, wishing you the best again until next time. Until next time. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. The Gradients is brought to you by Build Talent. To find out more about us, head to buildtalent.io and make sure to search for The Gradients in Apple Podcasts Google Podcast, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And on behalf of everyone here at Build, thanks for listening.